The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, we give you thanks that you have sent your Son that all might be saved. We give you thanks that you have come with mercy and grace. We give you thanks that you have done this and that it has not rested on us. Amen. So there is a book that I bought couple years ago. It's called Crazy Talk. And what it is, is it is a serious but tongue-in-cheek dictionary of theological terms. So it allows you to kind of page through and get them in English as opposed to, say, Latin or German or something like that, and in words that actually make some kind of sense, which is helpful at times because not all the terms necessarily lend themselves to that. But When we talk about today's set of readings, we have a lot of confusing words and terms, and so it seemed helpful to pull that book out. First of all, we have the great story about the snakes. And who doesn't like a story that has poisonous snakes biting people and people being saved? I mean, it kind of lends itself to some 1950s-era big movie about God, people wandering in the wilderness, this sort of thing. But let's pull that to 2012 Palo Alto, and it's just kind of hard to picture that same scenario of snakes kind of rampaging around and getting people. The image, too, that then what should be put up for their salvation or healing is yet another snake. It's not unusual if you were to the hospital recently or visited a doctor to see that emblem actually still in use today in modern medicine, the snake on a staff or two snakes, the image of healing, curiously, which touches on this story. But it's a hard story. It's a story of punishment, and we don't like thinking about God in that fashion as the God who says, that's it, I'm coming down there, I've had it with you guys, I'm going to do something. Because there are days in our lives when we get up in the morning feeling like maybe God wouldn't be that far off to do that. And so we wrestle with that, but it makes us uncomfortable at the same time. We like the other part of the story where God 
heals us of all the things that ail us, but we don't like the idea of hurt or injury or being unwell moving into that space. The second reading today, we have the great Reformation text that we are saved by grace through faith. Something powerful. And then we get to the Gospel text, which is powerful, but not easily understood. Think of all the football games that you have seen. Not in recent years, curiously, but there was a several-year period of time where when the Nets would go up for the field goal, you would see a few people behind with these giant signs that said, John 3.16, right? You'd see that sometimes at a basketball court and the free throw shots are being made. You'd see somebody hold up one of these signs. This idea that it is the entire gospel boiled down to one verse. For God so loved the world. Some important pieces there. It doesn't say that God loved parts of the world better than others. And they just weren't worth mentioning. Or God likes certain neighborhoods better than others. Or certain people more than others, or God loves the nice people, or God loves the people who show up at church. For God so loved the world. There's no fine print. There's no fine print. Now the verse that often gets left out, probably because it doesn't fit on the poster board that would be held up behind whatever's being shown on television, is the verse that I think is perhaps as or more important, the one that follows right after. The world-famous John 3, 17, that everybody has burned into their brains, I'm sure. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world. God didn't come to punish. Think about it. God sends God's only Son down into a hard life, one that ends in death at our hands, in fact. A God who goes to that great length is not a God who is there to punish. It's a God demonstrating love beyond anything that we have the capacity to do. Going back to this crazy talk book, the definition for salvation. Being saved from something bad for something good and that it is God's doing. The definition of salvation. That we are saved from something bad, but that's not the end of the story. We're saved for something good, and that it is all God's doing. It's not a privilege that we share with friends. It's not some prized gift that we alone can bestow on others and get credit for. Rather, it is something that God does regardless of whether we deserve it or not. And it has those two parts. Now think about it. It saves us from something bad. In the Gospel text for today, we're missing a whole chunk of the story. We get this great speech from Jesus, but it's like it dropped out of the sky and it has no sense of where it came from. This is the story of Nicodemus, one of the most important leaders in the immediate Jewish community who comes to Jesus at night. 
Or to use John's language, let's say it a little differently, he comes to Jesus in the dark so that he's not seen. He moves towards Jesus, and we get this great discourse of how he can be saved. And we hear about needing to be born again or born from above, and Nicodemus is totally confused. How can that be? How is it possible? And then we get today's discussion. Why is Nicodemus running around in the dark? He's scared. He doesn't want to be seen by his colleagues. But we often run around in the dark. Do we shy away from conversations about our faith, about God? The things in the back of our minds that keep us up at night that we'd rather other people didn't know? Whatever the case might be, there is a sense that we like the darkness at times to hide us and protect us. God seeks to save us from that. Save us from trying to fix it ourselves. Save us from those bad things. Bring us to a new place. But I think that that's where the second reading causes us to have problems. Because particularly as Lutheran Christians, we like to end the story there. We hear about being saved from the bad. We hear about being saved by grace that has nothing to do with us. It is all God's activity. And we like to stop there. Great story. The curtain comes down. We lean back in our chair and take a nap. But that's where that definition of salvation takes us another step. We're saved from something bad, but we're saved for something good. And that's where in this Lenten journey and perhaps the rain of this last week reminds us that in the waters of baptism, we are marked not just for some great kind of retirement plan, but rather so that we might act like we are God's people in this world, that we might go and do, reaching out to those who are hurting, Binding up those who are broken. Feeding those who are hungry. There are all kinds of things that we are called to do. All of us uniquely situated in our own specific contexts. It's not always easy. At times it wears us down. But that's where I think this salvation business is kind of a cycle. This grace isn't something that just happens once and you're done. Good luck. Have fun. But rather, it's something that we wake up to every morning. Something that washes us in a way that reminds us that we can step away from those broken things in our lives. But also, that we are given energy and encouragement to move forward into that part of our life that God has called us to be engaged in. God's life, we might say. Bringing life to the whole world. Amen.